0: welcome to the transform your wealth and health podcast where experts in wealth health and fitness help transform your life here's your host andy Arder. today's amazing guest is one of the uk's most foremost property education trainers he wrote the number one bestseller property magic and he's the founder and ceo of both the property investors network and crowd property i'm delighted to welcome simon zucci
1: hello andy how are we doing I'm fantastic, thank you, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast.
0: No problem at all. Simon, do you want to tell us about how you originally got into property investing?
1: Well, I think I kind of did it by mistake, (laughs) but then actually I think there was a bit of a seed planted in my head. It was a lucky
0: mistake, wasn't it, eh?
1: (laughs) It was a lucky mistake. So, come from Kent originally, I went to Birmingham University, I did a four-year combined honours degree, and uh, cut a long story short, when I came out, I didn't have a job, but I applied and really applied myself and really disciplined myself to get a really good graduate job, which is what I expected. And I finally got a really good job offer with Cadbury's in Birmingham. So um, I knew Birmingham pretty well. So I decided to buy a house in the area in which I'd lived for a couple of years in the student area called Selly Oak, just next to Birmingham University, which is also just the next suburb along from Bourneville, which is where Cadbury's are based. So I could walk to work every day or cycle every day. Mm-hmm. So I bought the house really for me to live in. And because I'd quite social and because I'd always lived in a house I didn't think about buying a flat and flats weren't as popular back in 1995 when I did this so I basically rented out two of the rooms in my house to friends who were still studying university and interestingly the rent that they paid me covered the mortgage and most of the bills so I kind of lived for free so that was quite good and I was building up some money that I was getting for my income for my job and I had a part-time business running student nightclub events at the time, which was a good fun business. I had this cash building up on my business bank account. And so my bank manager said, so what are you going to do with the money? Do you want to invest it? I said, yeah, I'd quite like to invest it. And so he sent around this guy called Kevin, who was one of the top financial advisors in the whole of the Midlands for Lloyds Bank. And Kevin came and sat down with me and he, he sorted out a pension for me. and He sorted out some insurance, all things I didn't have. And he said, so what do you want to do with this money? Do you want to put it in a stock market? I said, no, well, I kind of think I want to buy another house. Really, um, I'm going to move out this area, and I want to live in slightly closer to Capri, it's a bit further away from the students. And so Kevin said, "Great. Well, you've got some good money in the bank, and if you sell this house as some equity here, you're able to buy another one and have a really small mortgage." Now, you know, if you can pay off your mortgage on your own home quickly, for most people, that's a pretty good thing to do. But I interrupted Kevin. I said, "No, no, Kevin, I, I don't want to sell this one that I'm sitting in now. This was at the end of '97, I said I want to keep this house." and I want to move out and I'm going to rent this to students at Birmingham University, just the university just down the road. So Kevin, who was quite a smart guy, and he looked at me around these um, half rim glasses, <laughs> looked over. He said, hang on a minute. So you're not going to sell this house. I said, no, no, no. He said, you're going to move out, buy another one, and you're going to rent this one to students. I said, yeah, that's right. And he looked at me and then he, then he took his glasses off. And he said, that sounds awfully risky to me. Now, this was a financial advisor. And when a financial advisor says something's awfully risky to you, you kind of think, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. And to be honest, for a couple of nights, I didn't sleep very well because I'd kind of had this idea about, you know, getting a few houses. And I think where the idea came from, none of my family have ever been investors. It's not in our background. You know, we've had our own homes, but no investments. But when I was a student, living in Birmingham. The first time I moved into a landlord's house out of halls of Residence, uh, me and my friends went along to sign the contract. And this guy lived in a massive house in Edgebaston, which is one of the nicest parts of Birmingham, on this very posh road called Farquhar Road. <laughs> and it's this massive house. And I remember saying to the landlord, we were sitting down in his kind of study, saying to him, um, what do you do for a living? I hope you don't mind me asking. It's a lovely house. What do you do? And he said, well, I used to be a solicitor, but now I'm just a full-time landlord. Mm-hmm. Now, at the age of 19, I probably didn't really get what exactly that meant. But I later found out he had about 100 houses in Selly Oak uh, which is probably worth, in today's money, probably about 30 million pounds. And um, I think a seed went into my head so although I was getting advice from someone who's a financial expert, or oh, oh, I don't know if you should be doing that, which made me question it. I thought, no, look, this guy's done it right. He's quite smart. I'm, I've done the numbers. I'm going to do it. And the reason I mention that is because very often I meet people who want to get in property or they want to start a business or whatever they want to do. And unfortunately, people around them, family, friends, work colleagues, sometimes put them off and sometimes steal their dreams and say, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I know why. Sometimes, you know, family, friends, they don't want you to make a mistake. And by the way, you can definitely lose money in property if you don't know what you're doing. And so because they don't know and it's scary to them, they say, oh, you shouldn't do it. And so it's really important to surround yourself with people who actually know what they're talking about and can actually talk from experience rather than just opinion. Everyone's got an opinion, but you want to make sure they've got a bit of backing there. So I hope that's kind of a, not to tell you how I started, but. A useful point to make to anyone who's listening, no matter what you want to do, make sure you're very careful whose advice you take.
0: Sure. So along the way, do you have any regrets?
1: Oh yeah, loads. For example, in about year 2000, when I was still working at Cadbury's, I was buying houses to rent out, but also I was buying houses that you buy below market value because they, they need a bit of work doing to them. You get some work done, you add value, and then you sell them on for a profit. And that was good because it has been good lumps of cash into me and I could use that cash to buy properties I want to hold on to. But actually, when I look at those properties, what they're worth now, I kind of regret ever selling them. Yeah. And the reason I sold them was at the time I could have held on to it, refinanced it, and and I would have made fifty pounds a month, which kind of didn't really seem like a lot of money at the time. And if I sold it, I might have made 10, pounds which seemed like a lot more. I didn't look into the future. I was thinking too much about the moment and I didn't look forward enough. Mm. So I've made that mistake. I've made mistakes where I've not done enough due diligence. I've not checked things out carefully enough. I've done things where I've worked with people because I like them. And again, I've not put everything in writing as a, a joint venture agreement, which you should always do. So yeah, I've, I've lots of mistakes. And I think partly because I was I was learning on my own. I was learning the hard way through trial and terror. You know? yeah. um, because when I started, there, there were no courses. There was no internet. You know, you, you couldn't go on Move to look for a property. You actually had to go into an estate agent and see what they got and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so there were no magazines about it. So I, I kind of learned the hard way. And that's kind of, led me on to what I do now, which is teach other people and you know, if someone wants to learn about property, um, me and lots of other people teach as well, but there's lots of ways of learning this information and it's great because anything you want to achieve, property or internet marketing or health and fitness, you don't have to work it out yourself. Mm. You can find someone who's done what you want to achieve and you can copy and model them and you're going to get the results so much quicker. Then if you try and work it out yourself, we live in a real golden age because of that.
0: Well, we had uh, Alexander Siri on the podcast earlier on and yes. Alexander done incredibly well. And he mentioned you at the time. And he said that the property investors network training that he'd had uh, managed him to start his entrepreneurial career
1: absolutely yeah he was he was working for the police at the time he came on one of our, our three-day advanced courses our mastermind accelerator program and on that we have a year-long program which he eventually came on but on the three-day course we teach everything from all the strategies from the, the year-long program and he saw that you know rather than having to work for the rest of his life there was another way and i think it's really important people understand that you know we are conditioned when we go to school that we go and get a job and we work 40 45 years of our life etc and then we retire and most people die it doesn't have to be like that you can actually if you can replace your income whether it's from property or business or stocks or shares whatever it is Mm -hmm. whatever floats your boat you can replace your income so that you can actually spend your time doing what you want to do And, and Alex got into the point where you know he was able to replace his income and more. I think in his first year, he made about £62,000, which is residual ongoing income from scratch. And he's a very disciplined, very determined guy. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. He definitely put the effort in, but because he had the right knowledge and he had the right mindset and the right support environment he got from us, he was able to achieve that. Most people to get that kind of income from property would probably be investing, I don't know, 10 years or so, but he did it in a year.
0: So what tips or techniques would you have for our listeners to start getting wealthier?
1: Well, first of all, I'd say kind of find out what kind of excites you, you know, anything you want to do is going to take some time and effort to achieve. And so there's no point doing something if you really hate it, because uh, you're probably not going to put the time and effort in. So try and find something that that excites you in the first place. Having said that, if I'm honest, investing doesn't really excite me. I like doing the deal, I must admit, but I don't want to manage tenants, which is why I have other people manage the properties for me. Managing my properties would not be a good use of my time. I'd rather pay someone else to do that. But actually, for me, property is the means, the vehicle by which I've been able to replace my income. So I, I bought more and more houses, and in the year 2000, I made more money from property than I did as a full-time manager at Cadbury. So in 2001, I left Cadbury, and then by 2003, I'd actually managed to completely replace my income by passive income. And what I mean by that is, if you buy a house, do it up and sell it, great, you can make some profit from that, but to make more money, you've got to go and buy another one. The thing I love about property investing is you buy a property. As long as you know what you're doing, you buy the right property at the right price in the right area you can easily rent it out, what it means is that actually, you get this income coming in every single month and you don't have to do any more work for it. You've worked once and you get paid forever. You so see, I think property is a bit like having a cash machine. You see, you take the rent, you get each month, you take off all the costs like the mortgage, the insurance, the management, the maintenance, etc., cetera, and there should be some money left over. Now, we've got to pay tax on that money, just like if you have an income from a job, you pay tax on your salary. If you have a business, you make money, you pay tax on that. And because the government's recently changed the way investors get taxed, a lot of people say, oh, does it still work? Well, yeah, it does work. You just need to adapt and change your strategy. But what it means is you work once, get paid forever. you get enough of these little cash machines, you can actually replace your income. And I just like, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about this. What if... What if you didn't have to go to work? Or maybe you have your own business. What if you didn't have to go and do your own business? Because for most people who have their own business, they are the business. If they don't turn up, guess what? The business doesn't make any money. Now, if you've got employees and staff, that's a proper business. You know, if you could walk away and it still runs itself. But that's not the case for most people who have a business. So what if you didn't have to go into that business or into that job? And instead, you spent your time doing whatever you want to do. How would your life change? What would you be able to do? What would you go and experience if you had that time and that freedom and security of that income coming in every month? And it's really quite an enlightening thing to think about. And that's exactly what property investing can do for people. I'm
0: sure. Yeah. Well, there's some people out there that could be listening that might fancy doing that. Why wouldn't they after all? So let's move things on slightly because I've got a copy in my hands of your property magic book. Yes. We wrote this book. It was a number one bestseller. And you've updated it as you've gone along. And I believe, is it the 10th anniversary coming up soon?
1: Yes. So we launched it on the 8th of February, 2008. Uh, we're just coming up to the 10th anniversary. And to mark that, we're actually bringing out the 6th edition. So the 6th edition uh, should be available by the time this podcast gets That's out. True. You can go to Amazon or to main bookshops to kind of order it. And as the property market changes we need to keep up to date with what's happened. You know, it's a very different climate to where it was when I first wrote the book. Financing is different, regulation is different. So the book is constantly updated just to reflect what's going on in the market. And so, yeah, I'm really pleased to bring out the book. And as you said, it's every time we brought it out, it's become a bestseller, which is great. I think we've sold probably close to 100,000 copies in total over the number of different publications of it. I never thought we'd, we'd sell quite so many, but it seems to be very, very popular. You
0: couldn't imagine when you bring something out originally that it could be so successful. But it, I've got to be honest, I've read it, the missus has read it, and we both thought it was a great book.
1: Thank you, thank you, and, and there's some nice testimonials on Amazon about it. If anyone hasn't read it, I'd say it's a book. The idea is, if you're if you're interested in property, whether you're in it or not, or you're just thinking about it, what Property Magic does, it really kind of opens up your mind to the possibilities. It doesn't tell you how to do everything, you know, you're not going to get that in a book, but it it kind of hopefully educates you and and makes you aware of some of the things you could do. And I try to keep it very simple, very plain, um, so anyone gets it. And um yeah, if you haven't read it, go and go and check it out.
0: Okay. Well I've got a little excerpt that I wanted to read here. It's about ethical investing and joint ventures yeah it says when some people hear about the way we buy property below market value they question the ethics behind our motives some people may think that we're taking advantage of people in a vulnerable position and i can see how it might look like that at first i'm sure there are investors out there who do take advantage of motivated sellers but this is not my style and you then go on to devote a whole chapter about investing in ethical ways so that that sort of resonated with me.
1: Yeah, I think any industry where you can make money, any industry, you're going to get some people who are in it for a quick buck and they're just in it for themselves. Um, that's kind of a fact really, anywhere that makes money. And certainly in property, there are some people who are not very ethical. So you might get people who as a landlord, they don't have very good quality accommodation. They charge people ridiculous rents and you know, it's not very good. And there are people who might go out there and look to exploit people who need to sell their houses quickly. But you know, we can always make a decision the way we act. There's sometimes a bit of general resentment out there of people who own property, who are landlords. Oh, you know, these landlords make all this money. Well, yeah, it is a business. We do make money from it. But I like to think we provide quality accommodation for people at an affordable rate who maybe can't afford their own accommodation. If there, if there wasn't rental properties out there, a lot of people would either have to stay at home or they just wouldn't be able to afford to get their own properties. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, but all these landlords push up the prices. Well, realistically, the kind of properties that most people go if they're kind of starting out are not the kind of properties that I would buy as an investor or many investors would buy, you know? So actually, there's a bit of truth in that about, you know, do landlords push up prices that buy these properties? Yes, but also maybe not really. And when it comes to sellers, my principle is this, we say that if you're going to buy a property... Obviously, we want to buy it at the best price. And a lot of we go to auctions, they go to estate agents to, to try and get a good deal. What we suggest is, well, actually, if you can help someone else, if you can solve someone's problem, they're more likely to give you what you want. So what we teach is how to be an ethical investor, to find people who are what we call motivated sellers, people who need to sell. They need speed and certainty. And for them, those two factors, speed and certainty, are more important often than the amount of money they get. So if you can find one of these people and help them get the solution they need, they're going to be flexible on the price and or terms of the deal. That's what that means is we can sometimes buy things below the market value. We can sometimes get flexibility on the sale terms, which is great for us, but it solves their problem. And and you know what? The first time I really got my head around this, because I kind of thought, hang on, if I'm buying something at a big discount and someone's giving me all the equity, is that really fair? And I was sitting, and I talk about this in the book, actually, I was sitting at someone's kitchen table and they had contacted another organization who was interested in buying houses they weren't interested they passed the lead to me because i was geographically closer, and this was in nottingham and i went and sat down in the house and this was a lovely couple the guy he had lived in this house for 20 years it was originally a council house he'd bought it off the council on the right to buy he really made it his home he looked after it and he unfortunately had an accident he just had to stop work and what that meant was he couldn't afford to pay the mortgage. Now he knew that if he didn't pay his mortgage, his house could get repossessed. And you know, it was his home, he lived there, he knew all the neighbors, you know, he wanted to stay. Yeah. So he'd borrowed money, credit cards, bank loans, et cetera, to try and pay the mortgage to keep things going. And then eventually he got back into work and he could afford the mortgage, but all these other bills had built up and the interest rates are quite high and he couldn't afford those. And because of all of those, that's what was going to make him get repossessed, trying to lose his home. And um, when I was sitting there, he slipped this piece of paper across the table to me. And I'd never seen a piece of paper like this. And I looked, at I was quite shocked at first, but it was an eviction note. And it said 30 days from the day I was sitting there, the bailiffs were going to turn out and they're going to kick him out of the house. Now, if that happens, what happens, they, they'll take the house back, they'll sell it, offer for less than it's worth. So it's sold for less than it's worth anyway. There's also all the costs of the court costs, the solicitors, the bailiffs, the estate agents, and all those costs are added onto the loan. And what that means is, even if someone might owe a certain amount now, it's going to be probably at least another 10 grand by the time they finished. Yeah. And what I sat down, I said, look, obviously you want to avoid that. What, what can I do for you? He said, look, I would love to clear not just my mortgage, but all the other debts and get a couple of grand in my hand kind of thing. And if I get all that, that's what I want. And you know what his biggest thing was, Andy? No. He didn't want the humiliation and the embarrassment of someone turning up changing locks and kicking him out of the house because yeah. he didn't want the twitching neighbors to know what was going on that's why he hadn't put his house on the market for sale because he, he didn't want the neighbors a very proud man didn't want the neighbors to know what was going on and i was able to give him a completely confidential service and his rest such that you know i get christmas card every year and that was like quite a few years ago because actually you've got to put yourself in their shoes and see how you can help can't help everybody sometimes people are too far gone with the amount they need just doesn't work for us you know we're not doing this as a charity let me be clear on that Mm -hmm. we want to make money but not at the expense of other people it's finding people who we can help and looking for that real win-win solution and you know i want to make sure i sleep at night and that's what it's all about
0: okay well that's fantastic just changing the subject slightly do you keep fit simon
1: i do yes so in the morning i generally do yoga which is Sometimes 10, 15 minutes just to kind of limber the body up a little bit. I've got very bad eyesight, so I'm not very good at ball games. Okay. Uh, but I like uh, swimming. And my favorite sport is skiing. And I'm actually going skiing this season. I'm going twice, maybe three times, I oh, hope.
0: Brilliant. So if you were starting over again, what would you do now knowing what you know?
1: So that's really interesting. What we do at any time is based on the knowledge and experience we have at that time. So for example, I've bought properties over the last 22 years I've been investing. And actually, if I had my time again, some of those I wouldn't buy because at the time they seemed like a good deal. But what I know now, I wouldn't have bought them. And so it's very easy to look back with hindsight and say what we would or wouldn't do. And sometimes when things happen and we don't really connect it then, but we look back and I think Steve Jobs talks about connecting the dots. So if I was going to start all over again, I would really focus on property. You know, I've got some other things like I said earlier that, you know, property is the vehicle for me. If I had to choose doing property or if I had to choose speaking training, I'd always choose a speaking training. That's what I love to do. That's my passion. And that's what I'm able to because of the income I have coming from the property. But you know what? Um, I kind of, I dabbled. It took me eight years to replace my income. I did it very much as a part-time interest as a hobby. If I had to get back and do it all again, I would absolutely focus just for a short amount of time, a year or two, just put everything into that, um, build up that portfolio and I'd do it much quicker and I'd build up a much better portfolio because I know what, I, what I'm doing this time
0: okay well jane baylor who's a property investor she sent in a question she said what do you think of mentoring as a complementary property strategy
1: do you mean that she wants to mentor or does she want to mentor i'm not
0: too sure but i'm thinking as just mentoring in general do you think it's a good idea with property
1: okay so i'm a great believer in continually investing in yourself i invest in myself so i think recognizing that you never know it all and you don't know what you don't know. There's a part of element training and so getting information and knowledge so you don't have to work it out yourself is pretty smart. But then actually, that for many people isn't enough. And actually having some accountability and having someone who's maybe a coach who will, you know, every two weeks or something you speak to them, they'll see what you've done, the progress, as so you can bounce things off them. And just having someone, whether it's property or business or anything, personal coach, a health coach, someone who can hold you to account who can guide you, who can motivate you. I think it's a really, really good idea. And then I think a mentor is slightly different from a coach. There are lots of different definitions of coaching. My definition of coaching is a good coach doesn't need to know anything about what you do because they're not going to tell you what to do. A coach is going to ask you questions to help you find the answer yourself And that means that eventually you don't need the coach. A bad coach will want you to become reliant upon them so you have to keep on paying them. But a good coach... She gets to the point where eventually they're redundant and you go and get another coach who can take you to the next level, yeah. is my belief. Okay. But a mentor is slightly different. So a mentor will use coaching skills. They'll ask you questions, get to work on it yourself. But a mentor is a bit more directive. They will guide you. They will show you the way you need to go. So in terms of getting coaches and mentors, yeah, I have coaches and mentors. Most of the successful people I know have coaches or mentors because they just want to get to a better, higher level much quicker than they would on their own. Fair enough. What I often see also is a lot of people who, let's say, they invest in property, they get some results. They think, oh, well, I could teach other people how to do this. And they then become a coach or a mentor to other people and teach other people what to do. And, you know, that's kind of what I did uh, initially, but I, I was invested for a long time. I was invested for eight years and I became financially independent before I taught someone else. I think if you do want to get a coach or individual for you, there are a couple of things you want to check. Mm-hmm little checklist here. First of all is make sure they've done what you want to achieve. If you want to become financially independent, you want to make sure the person you're working with has actually done that. Some people will get some success and they count on being just one or two properties ahead of you as being enough. Well, that might help to a certain extent, but they don't have the depth of knowledge. So make sure where you want to go, that person's already been there. They got the t-shirt, they got the battle wounds and they know what to do. Second thing is not only do they need to have been there, they need to have become really good at being able to convey that information to other people so that they can teach and help you the best way to test that you want to make sure they've got lots of successful people they've worked with you don't want to be their guinea pig or one of the early guinea pigs while they're trying to work out how they teach people because that might be a waste of your time waste your money and even they might kind of guide you in the wrong way so be very careful about that okay And then the other thing is you want to find someone who's still investing in themselves. If they want you to come and pay them something, you know, they should be absolutely investing in themselves and doing training and getting better and better at what they do. The other thing is, I think the danger with working with one person is if they really are that successful, guess what? They're gonna be off on a holiday sometimes, they're gonna be doing their own property deals, they're gonna want to spend their time with the family. And so are they gonna be accessible all the times you need them? I mean, to be honest, Danny, that's the reason I don't do mentoring. Right. The next couple of months, I'm probably out of the country for at least a third of the time. I'm going to France, I'm going to America, I'm going to Australia, and then via Australia, Singapore, and then Dubai on the way back. I'm just not around. So what I have, I have an infrastructure. I have loads of coaches who've come from our program. They've all been really successful. We've trained them in coaching skills so that if they are coaching one person and the coach for whatever reason has something happened and they can't deliver, we can easily swap them with another coach so that this service is maintained. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? So just exactly. make sure that you, you get someone who is th- going to be there to support you when you need it.
0: Okay, so I kind of know the answer to this question, but what's your latest project? Because I'll tell you the reason why I know the answer, because I just had an email for earlier today, and it said you're hosting a webinar tonight. So although the listeners may be listening to this in a week or two, um, you're actually doing a crowdfunding uh, webinar tonight. So I'll be listening in, Simon.
1: Yes. So I've run a number of businesses, and I can only do that because I have great teams who help me. So one of my big things this year is uh, crowd property. So as you mentioned, uh, we set that up back in 2014. It came about because I'm doing property deals myself. I tend to take big properties like care homes, break them down to smaller units. And I realized just how hard it is to borrow money from banks. So I was actually working with private investors and lots of people who got funds. They also got a very good reputation. They have lent me money. They got a really good return. But more importantly, they've been able to look over my shoulder and learn from that. And that was pretty good. I was working with people with, you know, chunks of 50K and multiples of that. But I realized there were lots of people in my database who would love the chance to learn, but maybe didn't have that money. And at the same time, I didn't want to have hundreds and hundreds of people in a particular deal. And I kind of, it was an event. I always go to events. I was learning. It was actually a business event I went to. And I met a guy called Simon Dixon, who had a crowdfunding platform. This was back in 2013. And I didn't know much about crowdfunding, but I kind of got the principle that someone has a project, yet loads of people come and support it. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if we could go and find really good property deals, which funnily enough, through my network, we know lots of people with really good property deals, development deals, and we could put it on a platform that's fully regulated by the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, takes care of all the legals and admin, and then normal people, everyday people, could lend money through this platform to those developers. And instead of having to lend 50 grand at a time, they can lend maybe as little as 500 pounds and get a really good return on their money. And that's what we've created. It's coming into our fourth year now. And we've kind of done things fairly. So we've not really marketed. We've kind of done it within my network, but we've just done a big fundraiser for our business. And we, we're going to really boost the team. We're going to boost the marketing. And we've got really big goals to really grow that business and I think the whole sector of peer-to-peer is uh, pretty new, pretty exciting. Um, There's a lot of growth there. You know, there are these new innovative financial ices, and so people will be able to use those to lend to us. So it's kind of tax-free as well. So it's, it's really exciting, and I'm very passionate about that. Um, we're going to be bringing in a full-time CEO to run that business, uh, to work with the excellent team we've got, and really grow the team. So that's one of my main things I'm doing. Oh, brilliant. And in addition to that, I just want to mention, because there might be people who are interested in this, for a number of years... I have been talking about things. I think if you put your goals out there, they kind of, it helps to crystallize them. Mm. I'm a firm believer. That unfortunately, in our schools, we are failing generations of kids. And that's because it's not the teacher's fault. It's the system. The system is set up to teach people that, guess what? You get an education, you go and get a job. And that's the only way. And, you know, because of technology, in 20 years' time, 50% of the jobs that, that are available right now won't be around because it'll all be automated, robots and things. And that's yeah. You go to supermarkets and you see, look, there aren't as many checkouts as there used to be because you check it out yourself. You know, there are driverless cars in some parts of us. The so there won't be any taxi drivers. So all of these jobs, many of them are not going to exist. And yet, schools have not changed. And also, there are, there are generations of kids where kids... Think that their parents don't work; they're on benefits. Their grandparents on benefits, and that's they think that's all life is going to hold for them. Oh, there are no jobs; I can't get a job. We want to go into schools and teach kids that actually, you don't have to get a job. You don't have to get a job for someone else. You can create your own business. You can start working wow. for yourself, and you can employ other people. So, we're not going to teach people about property. We're going to teach them about money. We're going to teach about budgeting, about cash flow, and about entrepreneurship. And there are some great organizations are already going to schools doing this to a certain extent, but we want to do it. I'm reaching out to my community. We've helped many, many people become financially independent. And so the way we're going to get through to the kids who are sometimes, you know, arms folded, come and impress me is guess what? Tomorrow we're going to have a multimillionaire come to you to talk about how to make money. And we think appealing to their superficial level, <laughs> Materialist it might be a way to, to get hold of them. But what we want to do is put all the, the underlying subconscious messages in about, look, make sure you're creating value. Make sure you are you know doing the right thing. Make sure you are, if you do a job, you're working hard, you know, and, and you know get, giving people the right moral compass that maybe they don't really have. So it's a quite a big project. We want to go into schools. We want to lobby Whitehall as well. I was going to start last year. Things got in the way but this year it's starting and if you're on our mailing list you'll see stuff about that and you know we, we want people to help it's going to be a non-for-profit no directors get any salaries or anything that really annoys when people start charities just to make money so mm. this is a pure giving back kind of thing and, and i'd love people to get involved if they want to do that
0: Oh, fantastic. Well done. So I never knew anything about that at all. So that's brilliant. Have you actually started this off with schools already or how far you got? No, well,
1: what we've done, we're starting to do some piloting. So we're still pulling together and tweaking all the content and everything, just setting it up. So it's going to be last year, but it's all slipped, but it's going to have to happen this year. But as soon as we do, maybe I'll we'll come back in the future and when it's all set up, I'd love to let you know about it. And if you want to get involved, fantastic. That'd be brilliant. Have you
0: got any special offers for the Transform Your Wealth and Health podcast listeners at all, Simon?
1: Well, a couple of things. So if you like the idea of property investing, if you're investing already or you think, actually, I'm going to check it out, um, the best thing to do is come to one of the Property Investor Network meetings. Now, it's £20 to come to a meeting. They're always in the evening. We've got 50 meetings around the country. It's during the week, so usually after work for most people. And it's a great place to come and meet other people who have a similar interest. Most of the people there, 60% are kind of on the newish level and 40% are the more experienced people. So it's definitely more... Aim towards people who are new, but you can come and you know just start to get an idea about what property is and how it can work for you. You can meet other people in your area who have successfully invested, so it kind of builds your belief and confidence. Um, you can hear about changes in legislation, taxation, etc. It's all really important. We normally have a mortgage broker who talks about what you can do financially we have a lettings agent who you could give your properties to and you can meet people there who can help you people who can find properties for you who can manage them who can do the maintenance you can meet other investors who you might be able to joint venture with and work with them so it really is an incredible environment it's very positive really kind of a bit of boost of positive in in a generally negative world that we live in i say it's normally £20 to come along but what i love to do Mm -hmm. if you would like to come along to one of our meetings completely free of charge just to give it a try All you need to do is go to the website, which is pinmeeting.co.uk. Pinmeeting.co.uk. So listings of all the events around the country. Uh, We do 50 plus a month. We don't do August or December, but apart from that, every month we do it. And if you pick the location that's closest to you, you can click on that link. It tells you the date, where it is, etc. And then when you pay that, scroll down to the payment options. If you click pay with a voucher code, instead of having to pay £20, for your very first meeting, you can come for free. So the code that we have set up is ARTER, as in Andy Arter, it's your surname. So it's A-R-T-E-R, so someone puts in ARTER, they can come completely free of charge to their very first meeting. Uh, We do that because hopefully, People are going to like it and want to come back again, and we're sure they're going to want to do that if they want to invest in properties much smarter, getting help other people than doing it on their own. But if they don't want to come back, it's not for them, no problem at all. They've given it a try, and they've got nothing to lose.
0: Oh, thanks very much for that, Simon. I actually came along to the Blackfriars pin in London and found it incredibly helpful, so uh, that's, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for doing that.
1: Thank you, my pleasure. Well, you know, just a little bit of a gift um, to anyone who's listening in.
0: Well, thank you. So we're just getting towards the end of the podcast now, Simon. Could you tell us, is there any other details of how anyone can contact you if they want to get hold of you?
1: Yeah. So I would recommend that if people want to understand a bit about property, go and have a look for my book on Amazon or main stores of Double H Smiths and Waterstones uh, are going to have it as well. So it's called Property Magic. It's the sixth edition. And that would give people a really good idea about property investing. Uh, in the back of there, there's all my Facebook links and uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, etc. But if you just look for me on LinkedIn, I am just Simon Zutshi, that's Z-U-T-S-H-I. Likewise, uh, I've got a page on Facebook called, uh, my personal page is full, 5,000 people, but There's a page called Successful Investing with Simon Zucci. You can go and add that or like that. And then Twitter, again, you follow me. It's just Simon Zucci. So those are ways to connect with me. Um, I'm always sending out messages and we send out articles. We send out videos. uh, We send out links to to PDFs and those kind of things and special offers occasionally. So if you're interested in those, that's a great way to connect. I'm out there. I've got lots of videos on uh, YouTube. If you want to be inspired about property, you can go onto YouTube and type in Property Mastermind property mastermind and you'll see literally hundreds of videos of people who are just like you who have decided to really get into property some full-time some part-time and all the people on videos have pretty much replaced their income in just 12 months so if you decide you really want to go for it in property and and achieve it you could absolutely do it. you don't have to do that full-time So our most successful people have done it very much part-time, but go onto YouTube, type in Property Mastermind and be inspired as as to what they've achieved.
0: Okay, Simon, we'll put all of that type of stuff on the show notes so that anyone who wants to contact you can do that. And I must say, thank you very much. It's been a brilliant interview. Thank you,
1: Simon. Thank you very much, Andy.
0: Thanks. Now, I've trained plenty of people in my time. I've even been asked to train people from Coca-Cola and Glaxo's. I've set myself a goal and in 2018 I'm going to train over 100 people to improve their wealth and health. So if you'd like to be considered, it's personal training, I'm going to put it out there for application only. So I'm going to be doing this training initially at my home. So I'm going to have small teams of people, I'm going to work upon everything that you need for small businesses and also for online sales. And we have some people that are specialists that's going to come along and help us. If you'd also like to improve your health, we've got a program that's quite intensive. It's going to mean you putting tremendous effort in. But if you want to improve, I'm going to be able to help you. So please contact me on transformyourwealthandhealth at gmail.com or 07 771 594. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and until next time, start transforming your wealth and health now.